Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast, in our Scares and Dares episode where we review our favorite horror movie scare of the week and give you the NFL player prop bets that we dare to make. My name is Hakun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time and with me as always for our Scares and Dares episodes, Senior Staff Writer, my co-host, Joanne Kong. How you doing, Joanne? Good. Hi, everyone. All right. We've been off the air for a couple weeks, but we've been giving everyone our dares in our Just the Dares column each week. And I must say, you're really killing it, Joanne. You're really, really killing it. Seven of eight player prop bets correct over the first four weeks of the season, putting you at 87.5%. Well, I have to kill something since my picks and my fantasy teams have been blowing up. (laughs) They've been killing you, but you've been killing these picks. That's fine. That's that's all we care about on this podcast. So 87.5%. On the I, on the other hand, haven't been on a bit of a slide. <laughs> Unfortunately, mostly due to unfortunate injuries, partially yeah. like my David Montgomery, uh, that definitely did me in. And uh, I am only four of eight, actually putting me at 50%. <laughs> basically a chance. So I am like the coin flip here. But don't worry. Uh, I'm hitting them all this week. I'm pretty confident. I'm going to make up for all this. All right. So... We got a lot to talk about today, and as usual, we'll be talking about our horror movie scare of the week this week. It will be Orphan First Kill that we'll be talking about, and then, of course, we'll give you our dares of the week, the player prop bets that we dare to make in week five of the NFL. So without further ado, let's uh, say we get this thing rolling. Okay, so we said that we were going to give you one week to watch Orphan so that we don't spoil it for you by reviewing Orphan First Kill. And guess what? We not only gave you one week, we gave you three weeks (laughs) to watch Orphan. So you really have no one to blame but yourself now if you haven't watched it yet. Um, And and if if there's a spoiler. And if there's a spoiler, this is on you, right? Um, So, but, But that being said, if you don't want to spoil the twist in Orphan, Feel free to skip ahead about 10 minutes here and uh, get to our player prop picks that we dare to make in week five. But if you did watch Orphan, as you were supposed to, and now that we've given you three weeks to do it, um, then we're going to review as our horror movie scare of the week, Orphan First Kill, the 2022 prequel that's available for streaming on Peacock. So uh, Orphan First Curl, first of all, uh, runs a actually brisk one hour and 39 minutes, which is actually 22 minutes or 23 minutes shorter than the original movie. So that's really interesting. And just to kind of recap this, and here we go. Spoiler alert, everybody. I'm just going to give everybody, in fact, I'm just going to do this so to make sure that everyone knows that there is a spoiler alert coming. I'm going to hit the red alert button. Spoiler alert, everybody. (laughs) So... If you don't want to know the spoiler twist of what happens in Orphan, you can go ahead and skip ahead now. But for those of you who do know, and hopefully you do, in the 2009 movie Orphan, an orphan girl named Esther, who's played by Isabel Furman, is taken in by a family that didn't know at the time that she was, in fact, a 30-year-old escaped criminal from Estonia, Uh, not the 9-year-old that they thought she was. Now, Esther is said to be afflicted with something called hypopituitarism, a hormone disorder that stunts her growth and makes her look like a nine-year-old child. Uh, First Kill takes us back to the beginning, actually, 
where Esther's escaped, Esther escapes from that Estonian mental hospital. And it kind of lets us in on how she became Esther in the first place. So her real name is actually Lena Klammer, not Esther. Um, Esther is actually the name of the girl she pretends to be in order to escape to the United States, a girl from Darien, Connecticut, who's been missing for four years and who Esther pretends to be uh, in order to get in with this well-to-do wealthy family in Connecticut. Uh, Julia Stiles and Rosie Sutherland play Trisha and Alan Albright, the parents of the young Connecticut girl who's gone missing, and Matthew Finland plays their son, Gunner. And as we had in the first movie, Esther joins this currently unhappy, mostly broken family. I think you might recall from the review for Orphan that I said that uh, one of the nice things about this movie, uh, Orphan, the 2009 original, was that they dropped her into a situation with a mostly dysfunctional family as, well, as opposed to a mostly happy family. So a little bit different than the typical evil child horror trope. Uh, so that being said, um, you know, uh, Gunner's there, and uh, we have Alicia, and we, I'm sorry, we have Trisha, and we have Alan, and the family kind of gets together. You know that something is not quite right there. Esther joins this family, and as we expect, Esther begins to manipulate the various family members, uh, and as we expect, he, she starts to become obsessed with the father, Alan, like we saw in Orphan. Uh, but Trisha starts to doubt that Esther is who she says she is due to unexplained gaps in memory and strange new talents uh, like art that grows her suspicion, and that something isn't quite right. And then there's an unexpected twist, which I will not give away, because that wasn't in the marketing materials. Yes. Uh, the unexpected twist that puts Esther against Trisha, who will do anything to protect her family. Okay, so let's stop right there, because there's a lot there uh, to talk about. And um, tell me, Joanne, what do you think about Orphan First Kill? Uh, one thing I got to say is that it is amazing that after all this time, uh, the actress that plays Esther, yeah, Isabel, uh, Isabella Furman, Isabella yep. Furman, looks like she has not aged at all, mm-hmm. like in the movie. Right. If you see her actual pictures um, in the, on the internet, you could tell she is not a child. Right. But in the movie, uh, great job. Like... I mean, how many years have gone by, but it does not look like she's really aged. Right. No, interestingly, Isabella Furman is back playing the same role she played yes. in Orphan from 2009. But this time, she's a 24-year-old actress right. playing the role of a 30-year-old pretending to be a 9-year-old. Right. <laughs> As opposed to an Orphan when she was an 11-year-old actress playing a 30-year-old pretending to be a 9-year-old. Right. So you can imagine, that's a bit tough it is. to do. But, I mean, like, strangely doesn't look like there's such a big age difference, which mm-hmm. I don't know what that says about her. Like, do, does she have a young old face or young, you know, or, or, or an old young face? Yeah, you one know? of the two, clearly. One of the two. Because at the end of Orphan, um, when after the big reveal, right. then they show her with the makeup on. Yes. She looks older. She does look older. A lot older yeah. than 11. Yeah. <laughs> so. exactly. But that's what I mean. And then an orphan first kill right. when she's dressed like a child she does look like a child yeah she looks a lot a lot less right i mean not maybe not quite nine but she doesn't right. look 24 yes. that's for sure she, i agree she does not look nine that yeah. was that was one of the things i did have an issue with right. i i just keep thinking she's older like 12 13 right but yeah not nine right well the brilliance but, is obviously they didn't use any cgi Yes, right. they did not, yes. So we've seen a lot of popular de-aging CGI in movies and TV shows recently, but particularly in the Star Wars movies and in many other places. Mm-hmm. Not here. No, and that's what they said. They used a lot of uh, camera angles right. to give the illusion of height and um, 
for um, all the actors because, right. of course, Esther had to be much shorter. Right. But, of course, she's not as short as she actually is right. in, you know, real life. And they actually, so not only did they use creative uh, filming angles, but they also put some of the other actors and actresses on boxes to make them taller. Yeah. Right. So that and when they, lift. Right, lift. So that yes. when they stand near her, she, she would look the right size yes. comparatively. And then, of course, they would use occasional body doubles when you only saw the back of her yes. in, order, in order to make it look like she was still nine years old and kind of running around. So, but, you know, all together, pretty seamless. Yeah, you know, a pretty seem. I mean, obviously, you look at her and you kind of say, well, maybe not, like, maybe not yeah. nine, but and so it wasn't a hundred percent believable. But I think it was close enough for us to accept it for the purposes of this movie, which had a wildly crazy storyline anyway. Yes, uh, and uh, a twist of its own because now you know what the original twist is. Yeah. So you you now it's interesting how they kind of switched it around on us. Well, I mean, so I guess that's true. I mean, so first of all. Orphan First Black, the twist, I mean, first, like, for Orphan First Kill cannot be the same twist as Orphan, right? right? Because you, it's already it's given a, away. It's out there. It's out there. You already know it. And uh, what's interesting, of course, as you say, they, they're playing of age here because the actress is actually quite a bit older. She's 24 years old. So there's that as well. And then you start to think to yourself, why does anybody buy that she's nine? And what's really cool about this story is that they kind of explain a lot of it as they kind of go on. And there's a nice, nice twist which kind of accounts for some of the for the things that you are, are hard, have a hard time believing. Right, in the beginning. Yeah, the beginning, right. So I think that was really, really good. Um, so with that said, let me ask you, what did you like most and what did you like least about this movie? So the thing I liked most about this movie is Julia Stiles. Yes, yes, I, I did too. Um, if you don't know who Julia Stiles is, she was in the Bourne series, yes. Save the Last Dance, uh-huh. The Prince of Me, The yep. Omens. Yep. Uh, Ten Things I Hate About You. Oh, and, Omen, that's interesting. And <laughs> she was the wife. Oh, well, you know. And one of my favorite movies, A Guy Thing. Okay, right. So um, she is just, I really good, like her as an actress. Good range. And it's nice to see her back, you know, doing something like this. Yeah. And so I I just found her to be um, one of the highlights. And she was me. all in. I mean, this is the thing. That, so this is a crazy storyline, and we, we can't give away what the twist is. It is a crazy storyline. It really spirals out of control quickly, which is a lot of fun, actually. And it's not just Isabella Furman kind of selling out and being a nine-year-old, mm-hmm. which I, you know, or be, trying to pretend to be a nine-year-old, which I think is really fantastic, but also Julia Stiles kind of really uh, giving it her all and, and playing up her part. You know, she's, she's the, uh, I don't want to say why, but she's the crazy mom, and, it, and she does it to a T. She does a fantastic job kind of really, really pushing that. So and what, not to take anything away from... Um, uh, Furman, because yes. she also did a great job. Absolutely. But, um, Julia Stiles is definitely what I liked about that. Yeah, she was fantastic. And now, what did you like least about this movie? The least, uh, I'm going to say it wasn't a horror movie. Uh-huh. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just wasn't a horror movie. Well, I mean, there were some aspects of it that were horror-related, horror-adjacent. I want to say it was horrific, like, but... What do you mean, what you did? Yeah. What everything, what everything happened yes, in the movie. Yeah, not the movie was horrific, there but... Were, there were some scary, I mean, not scary, but tense parts of the movie that, that could qualify it as horror-adjacent. Maybe not directly on-brand horror movie, but there are lots of different kinds of horror movies. I think this is more of a horror-thriller drama <laughs> a lot. I feel like you know the the first one um definitely could have been horror 
Uh, the second one, I don't know so much. Okay. All right. So I, and it's interesting because I, I actually didn't, there's nothing actually that I didn't like about this movie, except for the fact that I don't know how they're ever going to make another one. I mean, I, I was, it, it would kind of wig me out when all the kids aged out of Harry Potter. This is like aging out on steroids. So I'm not really sure how they're going to do this, if they're going to continue this franchise at all. It is a fantastic franchise, though. They had a great beginning, and this, I think, was better than the first movie in many ways. More enjoyable Did than the first movie. Really? Yeah, I thought it was more enjoyable. Oh, interesting. I actually movie. liked the first movie better. I thought this was a lot more enjoyable because it was huh. very unique. I thought that they, they used the surprise premise in the first movie, which they couldn't do again, and they completely turned it on its head, and I loved it. I thought that was a fantastic, and that was unique, because I hadn't seen the plot from this movie I hadn't seen before. Interesting. I hadn't seen that. I hadn't seen this plot before. And I had seen plots that were similar to the first movie without the twist, but, um, but similar, you know, the, this true. typical evil child trope. But this was not that, and I, I really yeah. thought that was fantastic. So anyway, let's get to the scarometer. What do you give it for a scarometer? I can guess it's quite low. Yes, I said it was. I didn't think it was very scary. I gave it a two. Two on yes. a scarometer, yeah. and you gave the last. You gave it a five on the last one, yeah. right? So wow, this is so not scary at all. I am going to stick with the five. I'm going uh-huh. to say that it's basically the same as the first movie. I think it has the same type of tenseness uh-huh. uh, that they built in the movie. Uh, so I would count that as five. I want to add. I gave it a two, but the scariest thing about this movie is Julia Stiles' parenting choices. Yes, well, that's that definitely... That is the scariest thing about So I guess that's movie. like, right. So certainly those those are scary in a different way. Yes, uh, it's scary in a different way. So, yeah, that's true. So I, I guess that's... And I will leave that as that. So yes. everyone can kind of keep that in mind as you watch Orphan First Kill. So let's give me... So let's just, first of all, talk about what the critics say. Uh, on the tomato meter, uh, out of 139 reviews of critics, they give it a 73%. Critics' consensus is... Leaning into its ludicrous premise, Orphan First Kill is a sequel that holds its own and for fans of campy horror may even represent an improvement on the original. And the audience score uh, is over 250 plus verified ratings, 77%, actually even higher than the critics. Audience consensus says, as long as you don't think about it too much, Orphan First Kill is a fun, twisty thriller with plenty of replay value. So there you go. What do you got as far as stars out of four? For Orphan First Kill. I'm going to give it a 2.5. 2.5? And 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 didn't you, what did you give it, uh, you gave 2.5 last time? I gave 2.5 last time. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, You know, you can't be like, oh, it's 2 point, you know, 2.3, you know what I mean? 2.4. Yeah, we're not going to do that to you. Right. It's it's not going to be that way. I I liked the first movie better. I understand what you're saying about this, the second movie, the sequel. Um, There are a lot of good things about the sequel itself. Uh, I'm not going to deny that about this movie, so I want to put it in the, about the same range. Okay, well, I am going to go up from what I gave Orphan, because I gave Orphan three stars. I'm going to give this a 3.5. I um, really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was a unique, very generous unique premise. It was a unique <laughs> premise. I have not seen this story before. We've seen a lot of horror movies. I have not seen this one before. And I agree, it doesn't quite fit to just plain horror. It definitely is campy horror, perhaps a thriller and campy horror, but it definitely is an enjoyable watch. I completely agree with the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's fantastic, and I think it does have some replay value because it's just fun. It's just a fun movie to watch. Yeah, but, you know? I, but I think the same with the first one. Okay. The first one you could rewatch again too. That's fair. Like the actors in that one as well. Yeah, one hour thirty nine is much better than two hours. It is. I know. Time saying. time commitment wise, it is a lot better. They but yeah. stuffed in a lot of story for a right just yeah. the right amount of time. All right, so that's Orphan First Kill available for streaming on Peacock. Check it out. 
let's go ahead and uh, hit the boxing bell on this because we want to move on to the next topic, and that's our most important topic for the week, I guess, and that is the bets and player props that we dare to make in week five. So, Joanne, you're uh, 87.5% accurate, so why don't you start? Uh, so, my first uh, pick today is going to be Saquon Barkley. Okay. It is over and under... 77.5 rushing yards, and I picked the over. Okay. So the Giants are at Green Bay this week, and the Green Bay defense isn't the worst, but they're definitely not that good. Okay. Although they won the last three games, the last two have been very close, winning it by three points or less. All right. So Green Bay's defense has allowed an average of 126.8 yards per game. And to be more specific, they allowed New England's running back, Damian Harris, to rush for 88 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. They let the Chicago Bears, David Montgomery, rush for 122 yards. And then Delvin Cook rushed for 90 yards, mm-hmm. all of which is more than 77.5. Right. But I'm not forgetting about week three where they played Tampa Bay and they held Leonard Fournette to only 35 yards. Okay. But I'm saying... Not to take anything away from Leonard Fournette, yeah. but... But let's take away from Leonard Fournette now. <laughs> David Montgomery, Damian Harris, and Dolphin Cook. All better than Leonard All better Fournette. than Leonard Fournette. That's fair. So now we go to Saquon Barkley. And I am going to... I'm betting on Saquon Barkley more than the Green Bay defense. Okay. Um, Saquon Barkley's back. He hmm. is... The running back that we knew when he started before all of his injuries, mm-hmm. you know, was going to be the savior for the Giants. Right. And I'm this season, he is having a great year so far, and I don't want to jinx it, so I'm going to knock on wood. Yep. Yep, that's wood, all right. <laughs> so he's had a total of 463 rushing yards in four weeks. Uh-huh. Uh, that is fabulous. It is really it fabulous. It is so good. And in three out of the four weeks, he has rushed more, over 77.5 rushing yards. Uh-huh. And so betting on Barkley, uh, the Giants might not bring home the W. Yeah, unlikely, um, actually, to bring home the W. <laughs> but I'm going to dare to say that against the Green Bay defense, like Saquon Barkley is going to be able to beat that number. Yeah, I think he's clearly their best weapon, uh, their best opportunity to actually win the game and to keep Aaron Rodgers on the sidelines because if they're – maintaining possession of the ball and Saquon Barkley's running it. Obviously that means Aaron Rodgers is not on the field, right. which means they can't score. And I said just rushing yards for the bet, but like, I mean, Saquon Barkley can also catch. Right. I right. mean, he's had receiving yards before. So. But the over under with the receiving yards was pretty high. It was pretty it was high. Lot, yeah. It was much higher than Saquon Barkley usually does. Yeah. I, so, might take, yeah. I might even take the under on that <laughs> combo, but that, but that being said, uh, not a bad bet. I actually like that one. Uh, with Saquon Barkley. And I am going to go with a quarterback as my first pick. I'm going to go with Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford is playing the Dallas Cowboys this week, and the over-under is 255.5 total pass yards. So 255.5 total pass yards. I am taking the under on 255.5 pass yards against the Dallas Cowboys. Through four weeks, Matthew Stafford has averaged 253 pass yards per game, which, by the way, is less than 255.5. But more importantly, Stafford's opponent, the Dallas Cowboys, are the fifth-ranked pass defense in the NFL and haven't allowed a quarterback to throw for more than 212 yards. And that list includes 
the Tampa Buccaneers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady, who only threw for 212. But he hasn't been doing so well this season. But last last week, he basically he blew the doors off, 350 yards, three touchdowns. I so, know, but that was like one. Against the Chiefs. So I'm just saying that, that, you know, the 212 yards of Tom Brady and Joe Burrow only managed 199 yards against them. So quite frankly, I think that that demonstrates that the Dallas Cowboys defense is for real. And while many have credited the quarterback uh, Cooper Rush, for keeping the Cowboys afloat on offense since Dak Prescott went on IR. Let's be honest. It's the Dallas defense that's kept them in games from week to week. From I week agree. Two. So, I'd hate to say that, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, and the defense is going to make it very hard for Matthew Stafford to get over 255.5 yards this week, which, by the way, is over his average per week by a significant amount. Um, so I, I'd say I'm going to take the under on Matthew Stafford in terms of passing yards on 255.5 pass yards against Dallas Cowboys this weekend. Mm. Who's your I'd second? agree. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. He's, he's been struggling a little. He has. So has all the Rams. The Rams' offense has been struggling yeah. a little. So my next pick is also another running back. Okay. Uh, it is going to be Delvin Cook of um, the Minnesota Vikings. Yep. He is slated for 93.5 total rushing and receiving yards. Mm-hmm. And I decided to pick the over on that. Okay. The Vikings are playing the division rivals, the Chicago Bears. Yes, they are. Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately. Fortunately for the Vikings. And unfortunately for and Bears unfortunately fans. Unfortunately for the Bears, yes. Right. The Bears have the worst rushing defense this season. They are just sitting on the bottom. They are terrible. And uh, they have allowed... 183.3 yards per game on average. Rush yards, yeah. In rushing yards, yeah. and you know, to be to if you look at these numbers, like from week one to four, it's 186, 203, 92, 262. Right. In the last four weeks, I mean, that is just like crazy numbers. 262 rushing yards. That's pretty Come bad. On. We obviously aren't even playing against the run right now. So, so. and and um, I got to say, like. That one was against the Giants, I believe, at 262. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That, was, that was against the last week. Yep. So, um, so and so, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my eggs on to Delvin Cook. Right. Uh, combined, uh, Delvin Cook has um, exceeded the 93.5 mm-hmm. um, for the most part, and I just think with that Bears defense, I don't see how you know Cook could not reach those numbers unless he got injured or, you or, know, or there's some other kind of trickery. I don't know. Or they just decide to score through the air instead. Yeah. I mean, it possible. could be anything, but I mean, the bears are just so weak in the run game. I yes. just don't see why they wouldn't pound it until the bears figured it out. Yeah. Which they, they will next they won't. week. They won't figure it out. Like next week, Tuesday. But, yeah. <laughs> Clearly uh, after the game is over. Yeah. Way. So yeah. So that, and obviously there were some concerns because Alvin Cook did have an injury to his shoulder, his yes. non-carrying hand shoulder. But that being said, he's practiced in full. He's played yes. in full without restriction. And last week he played with a harness on his shoulder. Did not seem to impact him at no, all. No, no. So uh, I like that. Dalvin Cook also. And I, I think both – I think Dalvin Cook is actually one of my DFS plays of the week as well. So I think he's great. Uh, I agree with that one. Right. And you are going to take the over on 93.5 total yes. rush and receiving yards. Yes. Unless, like, something crazy happens and he's injured. And then I'm going to just say, like, 
if when you don't reach it because of injury, that's really not our fault. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. I I really shouldn't be taking the loss of those ones and losses yeah. because of injury. Because I was right, right? Because that day, that time when I bet on 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 David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert got those yards. Yes. Uh, if David Montgomery was out there, he would have gotten those yards. Yes. It's not like it couldn't have been done. No. But injury no. happens. Yeah. That's the game. Unfortunately, there is no injury out for us. So anyway, my second pick is Najee Harris. So I'm going to go over running back for my second pick. The over-under is 51.5 total rush yards. I am going to take the under on 51.5 rush yards. So the Steelers uh, this week are starting their rookie quarterback, so they'll be certainly trying to take pressure off of him by establishing the run through four weeks. Najee Harris has averaged only 50.5 rush yards per game, which, by the way, again, is under 51.5. Perhaps more concerning is that the Bills, who they are playing, have the third-ranked run defense in the NFL and the number one-ranked pass defense in the NFL. So the Bills are likely to put eight in the box to prevent the Steelers from establishing the run and force rookie quarterback Kenny Pickett to throw the ball. And stopping Harris, the only kind of proven offensive factor in that Pittsburgh offense, will be the number one defensive objective to get the Steelers in down-and-distance situations, which will force their hand and we all saw Pickett throw three interceptions last week in basically half, uh, three quarters of a game. So uh, I think that's going to be the plan for the Bills. They're going to put up a lot, of, a lot of guys in the box. They're going to force Pickett to throw, and they're going to hope that their number one pass rank, uh, ranked pass defense will keep them in check, which means not a lot for Najee Harris. And quite frankly, the Bills are a 14-point favorite, and if the Buffalo gets out to a big lead early, chances are Steelers may have to abandon the run entirely just to try and keep pace. So I think – Harris is just not going to have the opportunity. He's not. He's going against a bad defense. He hasn't shown the numbers through the first four games of the week. I do not think he'll be exceeding 51.5 rush yards in week five against the Buffalo Bills. So I'm going to take the under on 51.5 total rush yards. Yeah. The Bills really need this win. The last two weeks, their defeat has been really deflating for the team and, I think, and the fans. And I think that so, certainly the Pittsburgh Steelers are the perfect solution to losing games because they are in such bad position right now. They're in bad shape right now. Their defense is just not the same without T.J. Watt. Yes. Their offense is not the same without Ben Roethlisberger, as much as you may want to hate to say that. Yeah, that's crazy to say. But, uh, you know, I mean, obviously Mitchell Trubisky wasn't the answer, and trying to spark it with Kenny Pickett kind of worked. He did run two touchdowns in, but he also threw the three picks. So, you know, uh, probably not the immediate answer. Maybe a future answer, but not the immediate answer so that is what all we got here. So let's hit the air horn on the show here. All right, Joanne, why don't you give us your social media so people can follow you? At Kungfu for you on Twitter. All right, so everybody check that out because you want to make sure you get your jabs in on her picks or at least give her thanks for those picks. At 87.5%, she's doing quite well this season. Well, right. let's see if that streak continues. <laughs> well, you can find me at FB Garbage Time on Twitter. You can also find me on the Football Garbage Time page on Facebook. As usual, thank you for listening and wasting time with us. Until next time, watch those horror movie scares, make those NFL player prop best dares, and enjoy your NFL week. Bye, everyone.